So let's jump into today's message. Uh, we're in a series uh, we've been in June, July called I Have Decided. It's really a discipleship series and challenging us to uh, make that decision to follow Christ. And so many of us that watch, we made that decision at some point. We made that we decided to follow Jesus. We decided to follow his example. That's what a, what a Christian means. It's somebody who's following Jesus' example, right? His early followers were called disciples, people that wanted to become like Jesus. And here's what I know about you and about me and about everybody else that's watching this, this uh, video today is that um, we are all becoming someone. Um, it's not a matter of um, if we're following somebody, it's, it's who we are following. So who, you have to ask the question, who am I following? In, in my life, who am I allowing to influence my life? Because the people we listen to, the people that we allow to speak in our life, they impact the way we think, they impact the way we act, and they impact the, what, we, what we talk about, the things that we speak and, and say and do. And so who's influenced life is really, really important. In fact, when it comes to followership or discipleship, it's impossible to be a follower of somebody and not become or end up like that person. So whoever you're listening to, eventually you're going to become like that person. So you pay attention. I remember in high school, uh, this was, I, I think God opened my eyes or something. I began to look and see what certain people in my life, what they were becoming. And I looked at the relationships they had with their parents. I looked at the relationship they had with things, with, um, with alcohol, with different just items in life. And, and, and I saw a lot of times it wasn't good. And so I realized if I hang out with those people, if I follow their example, I'm going to become like that. And uh, that's what we need to be aware of is who we're becoming, right? And so uh, this, this series has been built around the four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so these four Gospels, we've kind of just walk, been walking through them, pulling out some different principles of what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be a Jesus follower. And so we're going to continue on that and that idea. Uh, the last two weeks, we, we talked about there's this vision in Ezekiel, and there's this vision in John um, that really scholars believe it points to Jesus and it points to his, his ministry and his life. And, and there's this, this interesting uh, correlation between this vision and the four Gospels. And so we see this vision of these four um, angelic beings. One has a head of a lion, right? One has a, a head of an ox. The other one has a, a head of a, a human face. And the fourth has a, a head of an eagle, eagle. And so we've been talking through how these, these represent the four Gospels and the four different, char- four different characteristics of Jesus' ministry and life. And so we said Matthew is like the lion. We see Matthew and the lion, that was about authority. Uh, Matthew is writing to the, to the Jewish audience, so he's trying to show that Jesus is the king of the Jews. He's, he's the king that was coming back, right, that, that, that all the prophets were pointing to. And so Matthew is using these details in his, in his stories and his writing to help people understand the authority and the power that we see in Jesus as king. And then Mark, he's the face of the ox, and he's writing from that characteristic of Jesus as, as the servant. And he's saying if, when you look at Jesus' life, you see the suffering servant. You see the servant who's given his life. And he wrote to the Roman, Roman audience uh, who knew everything about power and everything about action. Uh, I, I think in today's culture, this would be like the business people, right? They, just, they, they like getting things done. They're working. This is Mark. It's just all action. He, he jumps in and just begins to talk about what it looks like, what power is really about, and how to serve and how to use that for others. In fact, we said last week that the happiest person in any room is the person that's living their life for others. If you look in any room, the person that's happiest, I guarantee you they're living their life for others. They're serving the poor. They're taking care of other people's needs. They're, they're, they're using their gifts, their lives, their resources to be able to make an impact with their life. And so that was the, the ox, and I was talking about the Gospel of Mark. And so today we're going to talk about the third Gospel, the Gospel of Luke. And this is the, the characteristic of, of the man, right? It's the face of the man uh, that John talks about and Ezekiel talks about. And when we look at the life of Jesus and, and, and Luke and the way he wrote, He's really pointing towards um, who, who Christ was as a human being. 
He doesn't want us to miss his, the humanity of who Jesus was, right? The incarnation means that God came in human form, right, in human flesh. And so uh, he takes over in, uh, from, from heaven to earth as a human being, as a little baby, right? And he, and he shows that. In fact, when Luke writes, you know, Math, Matthew, his genealogy, it, it traces back um, from, from Abraham, right, to show the genealogy for, of the Jewish roots. Well, Luke, his genealogy of Jesus, it starts at Adam, at the man, the first man, right? His point is, he comes, there was a man, there's a second Adam, there's another man that's coming, uh, that came. And, and Luke is writing him from, from a human perspective. In fact, the name that Luke uses for Jesus throughout the whole gospel the most is the son of man. He doesn't want us to miss that he was human, that he understands us. In fact, Luke tells the most parables. It's like he tells the stories. Why, why stories? Because stories are relatable. He shows this um, this characteristic of who Jesus was and how relationships and how people were important to Jesus. And so um, we talked about the, out of these four Gospels, we find four exceptional qualities. And so the first one, Matthew, talks about confidence, right? We need to have confidence, not in ourselves, but in Christ and in God and what he's done. The second is we need to have the right attitude, the attitude of a servant, the attitude of somebody who sees themselves in a healthy way. Uh, and the third one, we're going to talk about relationships, right? So the exceptional, third exceptional quality, quality we need to have as Jesus followers is healthy relationships because people matter, right? Relationships matter. Who we choose to allow influence us matters. Who we choose to, um, to pour into, it matters. Um, in fact, as you read through the Gospel of Luke, one of the things Luke is trying to get us to see is Jesus cares about people. He, he lists tons of different names of people in history and even people that Jesus encountered to show there's this the relationship that that person matters to God. In fact, I think when, when any writer writes a lot of names, Typically, they're trying to highlight that the individual matters to God. You know, if you ever read in the Old Testament, you get to these, cha- these, these uh, chapters that is just name after name after name after name after name. And sometimes people are like, man, why, that's just a waste of time. Why do they put so many names in there? And one of the ways I answer is, well, if it was your name, it would be important, right? If it was your name, it would matter. And that's how God sees us. He sees us as individuals, and your name matters, you matter, and he shows that. And in fact, when it comes to relationships, I believe when you read uh, the chapter, chapter 5 of Luke, he talks about the Beatitudes, right? This is one of Jesus' teachings where he talks about what, is, what it looks like to be a follower of him, what the kingdom of God looks like. And as you read through, the God, through chapter 5 in Luke, um, Jesus is really explaining that the blessed life or the happy life, right, it doesn't come from getting or from doing, but it comes from being. He says, this is what he's trying to teach us, that who you're becoming is more important than what you're doing, who you're becoming is more important than what you get. And what you get and what you do, they're both important things. It's not that they're not important, but who you're being is more important. And God wants us to become somebody. So if we're going to follow Jesus, the goal is that we allow him to work in our lives and we become more and more like Jesus. In fact, um, when it comes to Jesus and his teachings, he focuses on four attitudes um, when it comes to relationships, four attitudes we have towards things, right? One, towards our circumstances. Uh, second, towards people. Third, towards ourselves. And then the fourth is towards God. And so he, he's talking about the relationship towards these things. Right? And he em- emphasized that if we're going to have a healthy life, really the way we respond is we need to have faith in God, we need to have love towards others, honesty with ourselves, and then obedience towards God. Uh, so uh, if you want to know what these, ha- how to address these four things relationally in our lives, one, we have faith in God, and we'll talk about that. So when it comes to healthy relationships with circumstances, right, this is what takes place. Uh, this is an important lesson, especially in, in this season that we're in. Right? There's a lot of uncertainty about the future, uh, there's a lot of questions that linger about what's really going on, what's taking place. How are people going to fare and do after all this, if, what after this is going to look like? 
And so when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, in difficult situations, really the question is, where is your faith going to be? Is it going to be in things? Is it going to be in money? Is it going to be in the stock market? Is it going to be in the economy? Is it going to be in politics? Where is your faith? What are you building your life upon? And where does your faith lie and your hope lie? And Jesus is saying, if you want to have a healthy life and you want to be blessed and happy, you have to have a healthy relationship with, with the things that are going on in life. Understand that you can't, there's some things you can't control. Um, you can't control the external things, but you can control the internal things. And so he's saying if you want the best, um, you have to be able to choose what God has for you, not just choose what you can, but, but believe him. Because here's what happens. Um, we build our life, right? Our life is built on character. So if you want to know how your life is going to end up and what you're going to do, just look at your character. Who are you becoming, right? And this is what happens. Your character is built on your decisions that you make. Every single day we make a decision what we're going to do, what we're going to say, what we're, who are we going to become, right? And those decisions are always based on values. Values of what, what do I hold true? What do I hold to believe that's most important? In my life, what is the most important thing? Is it me? And if I'm the top value, well, then my decisions are going to be made about only me. And eventually, my life, my character will be built around those decisions. And so if we're going to be like Jesus and we're going to let, let him change our lives, um, we must accept the values he wants us to have by faith. Like we, we learn how to manage our finances. We learn how to have, um, how to serve others, right? We learn how to use our lives. And we say, God, I'm going to trust you. To, to, I'm going to respond the way you want me to and believe for the outcomes. So instead of hating people who hate me, I'm going to love and pray for those who hate me. I'm going to ask God to help me in this process. And by faith, I'm going to trust that he's going to do something in my life that's going to help me become the person he wants me to become. Because here's the truth. Christians, we live uh, with eternity's values in mind and in view. So everything we do, we're not just thinking about the here and now. We're thinking about the future, about eternity. How is this going to impact others? And so God invites us into that journey. Jesus says, follow my example, right? So if Luke has given us an aspect, a characteristic of of the life of Jesus' ministry, this is one of them. How to have healthy relationships with circumstances, with what's going on, and be aware of that. The second thing is how how to have healthy relationships with people. How do we have healthy relationships with others? Um, when we read the story of Jesus, especially in, in Luke uh, 6, he, he really is pointing out a couple of things that, that stand out, is we must treat others that we want the way we want to be treated, and we must imitate our Heavenly Father and be merciful and show compassion. And so two things that he's showing in the gospel is, one, treat others the way you want to be treated, and two, let's imitate God and his love and his compassion to others. And when you read the gospel of Luke, you'll see that. God's heart towards people, towards the lost, towards people that are nothing like him, are always full of compassion and full of mercy, right? And we begin to let God work in our lives so that uh, we can make an impact with our life like Jesus did. Because uh, the truth is, when it comes to life, when it comes to the things that we're getting, you know, the greatest reward that anybody can receive is actually becoming more like God in our character. The greatest reward that you can receive from the process of being a Jesus follower is that you become like God in your character, what I mean by that is it, th- that reward is far greater than riches. It's far greater than food. It's far greater than laughter. It's far greater than popularity and people liking you. All those things aren't bad, but the greatest reward from following Christ is you actually become like God in character. You begin to, to re- relate to others the way he related to others. You begin to treat others the way he treated others. And so when it comes, here's five things that I know about you, right? Number one is this. You want others to encourage you. Nobody shows up at work or goes home and wants to be discouraged by somebody. No one invites that discouragement and says, hey, would you just tell me the worst things about who I am and discourage me? Nobody says that. Everybody wants to be encouraged. Everybody wants to be recognized, right, by what they're doing or how they're improving or what they're working on. 
Um, we all want to be encouraged. And so I know that you want others to encourage you. I heard a story about a man named Eugene Lang. And in 1986, um, he gave a, a, a commencement speech to 61 kindergartners in Harlem, right? And so when he's giving this, uh, this speech, you know, this speech was, this is your first graduation. It's a perfect time to dream, right? Dream what you want to be, the kind of life that you want to build. Uh, believe in that dream, right? And then be prepared to work for it, right? And he says, remember, each, each dream is important, but it's also your future, and it's, and it's worth you working for. He says, you must study. He said, he told him, you must learn. You must attend junior high school. You must attend high school and then college. And he says, you can go to college. And this, 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 the whole speech changes right here. He says, you must go to college. And he says this, stay in school and all. And he paused for a second. And then the next thing he, that he said, it, it shocked everybody. And he says, if you stay in school and you graduate, I'll give each of you a scholarship. And the room busts up in, in, in an uproar, right? Everybody is like crying and screaming and going crazy. Some of the parents there didn't speak English. They go tell the kids, what did he say? Why is everybody going crazy? And they said, Mom, money, he's going to give us a scholarship to go to college. And the parents crying. Everybody's overwhelmed. Um, so so this, this man, he, he graduated from that same elementary school. He, he, he went to that same elementary school. He came back to speak to him to encourage him because now at this point in his life, he was a multimillionaire. He wanted to help them. And so he encouraged them, right? Because he understood this. People need to be encouraged. What's interesting about the story is he followed through with his promise. Out of the 61 um, uh, graduates, 90% of them went on to finish high school and 60% of them went on to finish college. That's a pretty awesome stat considering that the, the stat for, for that, uh, that, that school district was 90% of students would not graduate. They would drop out of school before high school. Think about that. Only 10% of all students in that, in that community would graduate at that time from high school. When he encouraged them, 90% of them finished school. Only 10% dropped out. He reversed everything by just saying, I'm going to encourage you. I'm believing you. I did it. You can do it. I'm going to encourage others. We all need encouragement. Maybe you're one of those people that needs to encourage others to do more and see more than they can, they can think of. It inspired them, and 90% of them went on to graduate from high school. We need more people like that to encourage others. So I know you want, to, want others to encourage you. I also know that you want others to appreciate you. All of us want to be acknowledged for, the, for what, we, what we do, right? You have to understand that we can't ever underestimate the value of a single person. We need to treat them the way we want to be treated, right? We need to treat them as if they're important. Um, and a lot of times when we treat them that way, they'll actually respond according to the same way that we perceive them. And so uh, when we think about people being wonderful, typically they respond to that. Um, and, and too many times I think what happens is we live tight-fisted with our praise. You know, we think a lot of great things about people, but a lot of times we don't actually tell them. We need to become the people that, that, that show appreciation, that speak, right, the things that we're thinking about others and encourage them and tell them that they're awesome, right, that they're, they're doing a good job. So I know that you want to be encouraged by others, that you want to be appreciated. I also know that you want to, others to forgive you, right? When you mess up, you want the grace, you want the mercy, you want the forgiveness. Well, we need to do the same for others, right? Um, what happens when people that find it difficult to forgive others, um, they really don't see themselves realistically. Like if you can't forgive others, typically you're not seeing yourself realistically. Uh, most people that can't forgive, they're either really uh, insecure or they're very arrogant. Typically one of those two extremes. When people that can't forgive, they're either arrogant, they think they're better than everybody, or they're so insecure they don't think anything of themselves. When you become the kind of people that say, I want to treat others the way I want to be treated. I want to learn and be able to forgive others as soon as I can uh, so I don't carry that with me, right? Because too many what happens when you don't forgive, you hold on to things that keep you from relationships, that keep you from opportunities to be in locations 
um, in places that, that you should be because you don't want to be around certain people or because you want to avoid certain people. That's not good. We need to learn to forgive others. The fourth thing is this. You want others to listen to you. This is what I know about you is you want others to, be, to, to listen to you. You want to be heard. Uh, it's like a, a, a sketch that was on, on TV a while back, right? There's a, a wife, and, and she sit, her husband comes home from work, and he sits down on the couch and starts watching the TV. And the wife comes in and says, hey, dear, uh, the plumber didn't come to fix the leak behind the water heater today. And the husband says, uh-huh. And the wife says, the pipe it burst today and flooded the basement. And the husband says, shh, quiet, it's third down and goal. And the wife says, well, some of the wiring got wet, and it almost electrocuted Fluffy. The husband says, darn it, they scored a touchdown. And the, the vet says he'll be better in a week. And the husband says, can you please bring me a Coke? And the wife says, the plumber told me that he was happy that our pipe broke because now we can afford to go on he can afford to go on, go on vacation. And the husband said, aren't you listening? I said I could use a Coke. And the wife says, well, Stanley, I'm leaving you. The plumber and I are flying to Acapulco in the morning. The husband says, can't you please stop all the yakking and get me a Coke? See, the trouble around here is that nobody listens to me. I think sometimes in life, that is exactly what happens. Especially in, this, in the culture that we're in right now, there's a big division between beliefs and viewpoints, right, when it comes to politics. Um, we tend to only listen to those who think like us and believe like us and only listen to those who have the same affiliation that we have. And when we do that, we alienate almost half of the whole other country and half of the people in our, in our community, right? In some cases, almost half. So when, when we don't listen to others, we miss the opportunity to actually become better. We miss the opportunity actually to see something about ourselves that we might be missing, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. So we want others to listen to us. We need to be the kind of people that listen to others, especially those that don't think like us or, or, or live like us or, or, or um, believe like we believe. We need to listen. Jesus did. He modeled that over and over in, in, in the Gospels. He's listening. He's asking questions. He wanted to learn about people. Right? So learn to listen to others. The fifth thing is this. I want others, uh, you want others to understand you. You want others to understand what you're, what you're saying, what, what you're talking about. You really want to be understood by people. You know, Peter Drucker, he said that 60% of all management problems are a result of faulty communication. 60% of all management problems in the workplace is a, is a result of faulty communication. A leading marriage counselor says that at least half of all divorces um, result from faulty communication between the spouses. So half of all divorces, they track back to faulty communication between the spouses. A criminologist tells and says that upwards of 90% of all criminals, they have difficulty communicating with other people. So essentially, communication is a fundamental to understanding. We need to learn to ask more questions. We need to learn to be able to, um, to, to really seek to understand before we try to let people know what we're trying to say. Um, now I'll say this, when it comes to people, uh, the reason I know that you want these things is because I want to be encouraged. I want to be appreciated. I want to be forgiven when I mess up. I want to be listened to, and I want to be understood. And I know the same about you. You want these things in your life. So let's do that to others. Let's treat others the way that we want to be treated. So in life, uh, you can see others as one of two things, either as assets or adversaries. You can see people as the enemy, or you can see people as a friend. You can see people as uh, somebody that can compliment and help you, or you can see somebody that's in, you're in competition. See, if you see them as adversaries, you'll always be comparing yourself with others. You'll always be trying to defend your position and why you believe and what you believe and why that's better, and you'll miss that opportunity. But if you see them as assets, you'll help them to realize their potential and see their potential, and in that, you'll make a friend, and most likely, you'll help each other become better. So what's the key to relating to others? Here's the key. It's putting yourself in someone else's place instead of putting them in their place. 
So instead of putting them in, the, in a hole, instead of saying, this is where you belong, this is, I'm, I'm better, it's saying, let me put myself in your shoes. Let me think for a moment what it looks like to be like you. This is what Jesus did, literally, from heaven to earth, walked in our shoes, lived a life like us, so he can show us that there is a better way to treat others, that there's a, better, a bigger way to live our lives than just for self. And he models for us. Relationships are important. So we need to decide how we want to be treated, and then we need to begin to treat others in that same manner. Decide how do you want to be treated, and then begin to treat others in the same way, right? And in, in Jesus' commands and his teachings, this is what he's trying to, trying to show us. Is it's about developing relationships with others. Uh, John Maxwell says this, if you want people to act right uh, towards you, then act right towards them. And many times you'll change them. If you want people to act right towards you, act right towards them. And a lot of times just the fact that you're acting right towards them will bring change that, that needs to be there. So we, when it comes to relationships, right, and our attitude and our approach to relationships, we have to have healthy relationships with circumstances, with things in life that are going on, have healthy relationships with others. And the third thing is we need to have healthy relationships with self. We need to begin to, to um, see ourselves as we truly are. You know, one of, the, one of the examples Jesus gives over and over to religious people is he kept calling them blind. Like they weren't even aware of what they were doing and what they were causing. They were blind to their own uh, blind spots. They were blind to their own issues. And, and he says, if, if you see yourself as an excellent guide, but you don't realize that there's blindness in your life or there's blind spots, you're only going to lead people into a ditch. And honestly, a big part of what's going on in our world is too many people, they think too highly of themselves, and they lead people astray because they're not willing to see the, the flaws in their own philosophy and the flaws in their own beliefs and what with their life. So we need to begin to say, how can I um, have healthy relationships with myself and make sure that I'm aware? So we must be honest with ourselves, like brutally honest about what are those blind spots. And a lot of times we don't know them. That we have to ask somebody, what are my blind spots? What, am, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Help me out. And that takes, that takes um, humility, right? Because here's, the truth is that pride is the thing that blinds us. Pride is the thing that keeps us arrogant. Pride is the thing that keeps us from becoming better because we think of ourselves in a way that we're not supposed to. But if we'll admit the blind spots and the obstacles that blur our vision and the things that we can't see, then we'll be able to begin to correct ourselves in that way. Because um, the truth is this, you can't lead others where you have not been yourselves, nor can you become all that Jesus wants you to be if you're not willing to address those things in your life, right? This is a big part of what Jesus is talking about is our eye and the way we see things and not let pride be the thing that keeps us away from God. Because um, when it comes to, in fact, one of the stories he tells, and I bet the audience would have laughed at this story. He says, you know, why, why are you trying to take a speck out of your brother's eye? Like they got a little splinter in their eye, something in their eye, when you yourself have a log in your own eye. It's like the surgeon, right, trying to help somebody with a little speck while the whole while they had this huge log inside of their own. Almost a very humorous way of Jesus saying, hey, guys, Take care of the log before you try to deal with somebody else's speck. The truth is, you have a log, I have a log. We have things in our lives that we don't even see sometimes because we've just been comfortable with them. And Jesus is saying, can I help you deal with that? Let me work on that in your life. And then once you've worked on that, you can go help somebody with their issue. But first, deal with your issue. When it comes to, to followers of Christ, believers, here's what I want you to know. Believers, we do sin. We do mess up. I make mistakes. I mess up, right? But the witness of our word and our works consistently... Um, they consistently uh, do good to, to, to the glory of God. So even though we mess up, we're saying we're committed to doing the right things and speaking the right things consistently. So not that we don't mess up, not that we're perfect, we will, but our lives are consistently pointing towards God and hit the glory for Him, the, the glory of God. That we're, we're saying we're pointing to God. In fact, 
our lips. Jesus says it's, it's from the heart the, the mouth speaks. And in, the, in this chapter, he's saying it's your, your heart, what's deep inside, is going to come out through your words. So pay attention to that. Guard that. Right? It's, like, it's like the guy who, who got really upset, and he began to swear. And then he covers his mouth and says, well, I don't know where that came from. And the friend says, well, it couldn't just come out of nowhere. Like, it only came out because it's in there. Like, what's in here eventually will come out through here. And he says, guard your heart, right? Let, be that person that says, God, work in my life. So have a healthy relationship with self. And the fourth thing is have a healthy relationship with God. If we're going to be a, a follow Jesus' example of having healthy relationships, of, of caring for people and, and working, we have to have a healthy relationship with God. And, and Jesus' emphasis was on obedience, right? It's not enough just to hear his teachings. We have to do it. And in, in, in this teaching of building a life on something that's solid, building our, a house, a life that's going to last, the emphasis is on the words we hear and the actions that we follow through, which, which implies there's a lot of followers, a lot of people who say they're Christians, that they hear, but they don't do it, and so then their life crumbles, and their life falls apart. And then they're wondering, like, why? Well, it's because you heard it, but you didn't do anything with it to build upon something that was solid and secure. But rather, you heard it, you went on, and just built your life your own way anyways. And just saying, you know what? Um, you must obey what he commands you to do. Don't just listen, but obey what he can't, commands you to do so you can build on a rock, a solid foundation. So the Gospel of Luke, when it talks about relationships, right? Healthy relationships with circumstances, with our life, the things that are going on, the things that we can't change a lot of times. Healthy relationships with others. Healthy relationship with ourself, the way we view ourselves. Healthy relationship uh, with God. And if we'll, we'll learn to work on those things. We'll actually become very healthy in our approach with our relationships with others and with things and, and what God wants to do in our lives. And the Gospel of, of, of Luke, he's trying to point to this, the humanity of Jesus, the relationships, they matter. In fact, Luke 15 is probably one of my favorite uh, chapters in, of the Gospels. Um, in fact, Luke 15, if you read it, I would encourage you to read it, read through the stories that he tells. It's why we started the Grove in the first place. Uh, there's the, the stories, these three stories, is a trilogy of, of, of um, somebody or something that was lost, something that was found or someone that was found, and then the joy that followed. So three stories, this is the theme. There's something that's lost, and then it's found, and then there's a lot of rejoicing that goes on. There's something that was lost, there's something that was found, and there's a lot of rejoicing that goes on. In fact, Jesus says, you know, he's willing to leave the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. We started the grove. That's been our in heart and our intention, intention the whole time, is we're willing to go after the one. We're willing to go after those that are far from God. We're willing to go after those that are lost, that are hurting. That's why we do what we do at the grove. Um, it's part of why we're not going to leave the theater. Like we want to be there because it helps us accomplish us reaching more people that don't know God, that don't even maybe are comfortable coming to church, but they're comfortable going to theater. They're comfortable being a part of, of a service where we're inviting them to um, to interact with us. Right? The language you use is not insider talk, but it's inclu- it's, it's inclusive. Saying you're welcome, you can come. We'll help you out. In fact, the Gospel of Luke. If you want to know the key verse for the Gospel of Luke, it's found in, in Luke 19, verse 10. This is the key verse for the whole gospel. For the Son of Man, notice the name he uses, the Son of Man, he wants to show his humanity. He came to seek and save the lost. So Luke says, you know why Jesus came? He came to seek and save the lost. Seek and save. Seek and save. That was Jesus' strategy and mission for coming to earth. He wanted to come and show us, right? Come and search us out. Come and understand us. Come and show us a better way and then save us, give us a, a better example. And he invites us in that same thing. I mean, the opening invitation to disciples is, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So he's saying, followership of, of Jesus, being a, a, a disciple, a Christian, it's not about you. It's about you using your life to help others. 
you come, follow Jesus, and then he's going to show you how to seek and save the lost. The greatest thing we can do with our lives is seek and save those that have been separated from God. Seek and save those who are hurting. Seek and save those that need answers, that need, need hope. And so that's, our, that's where we're at. We want to be that people, that, that kind of church that says, I'm here to help you. And if you're religious and you're full of pride, you're going to miss out just like the Pharisees did on seeking and saving those that are different from you, caring for those that speak different or think different than you. You're going to miss an opportunity to use your life to have an impact on the world. And it might be that some of the people that are furthest from you might be the ones that you're supposed to reach. And it might be the ones that you maybe think less of are the ones that you're supposed to love into the kingdom. That might be a different political party. It might be a different socioeconomic class. It's, it's, it's up to you to say, how can I make an impact on others? So the question is this. Am I following Jesus? You need to ask the question, am I following Jesus? And today, if you're watching and you're not, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a second to do that. But the question we need to ask on a, on a daily basis is, am I following Jesus' example? Are my words in line with his? Are my actions in line with what he's doing? Is my life um, organized, right, and in, in positioned in a way that, that, that reflects who he is? It starts by listening, but it always is followed by action. So am I following Jesus? So here's my challenge for us today, all right, this week. Uh, would you do the two things? Would you ask God who wants you to be? We do this by reading the Bible, by coming to church, right? By letting others speak in our lives, um, by praying. Ask God, who do you want me to be? Like, what are, those, what are those things in my life that you're trying to change? What's the character in my life? So I'm going to value what you value so that you can help me make better decisions so that I become like you, right? So that's, that's by faith. Um, who, who do you want me to be, God? And the second is this. Who, who does he want you to show compassion to? This week, I would say every single day, Maybe that should be a part of a new habit and your routine is, God, what, what areas in my life do you want to work in? And then, God, who do you want me to show compassion and mercy to today? Who do you want me to show compassion and mercy? And if you pray that prayer, like say, for example, right after the service or during this, this, this next few moments, you pray that prayer and say, God, who do you want me to show compassion to? If he doesn't show you somebody or put somebody in your, in your, in your mind, your heart, put somebody in your heart to go love on, then you don't have to do anything. Like it, the pressure's off of you. If God doesn't answer the prayer that you pray, who do you want me to show compassion? Then there's not anybody supposed to show. But the day that you pray that and he shows you it, act upon it. Call the person. Reach out. Do whatever it is that you feel he's leading you to do. And you'll see that you'll become, become like the person Jesus was. He's searching and he's looking for those that need to have mercy and compassion. And Luke is showing this. If we want to have our relationships, we need to be the kind of people who do for others what we want them to do for us. We treat others the way we want them to treat us or others to treat us in the same way. And so ask God, who do you want me to be? And God, who do you want me to show compassion to? And sometimes it's a prayer. Sometimes it's a, uh, just a, uh, us, an invitation saying, God, show us and lead us to those people. All right? Awesome. Hey, for you that are watching, maybe you, um, at one point you were following Jesus, but you no longer are. And today you want to make a decision to say, I, I decide to follow Jesus. Today I want to make a decision to become a Jesus follower. I want to give him my life. I want to follow his example. I want to lead you in a prayer. Maybe today you're watching and you've never done this before. You're not a Christian. You're not a Christ follower. And um, as we've talked through these lessons the last few weeks about what it looks like to follow Jesus, you realize that that's something you want in your life. Like you want to treat others the way you want to be treated. You want to be, be, be that person that cares and shows compassion and mercy to others. It's who Jesus is. He tells stories about how he, uh, even, the, even the heroes he makes in some of his parables, stories is, are those who use their lives to help others. Uh, he makes who would have been the bad guy the hero in some of the stories because they were willing to show compassion and mercy. 
In fact, I heard it like said like this, that compassion really is, is, is uh, filling somebody else's heart, right? It's, it's filling what somebody else feels. That's what compassion is. It's putting yourself in their shoes. And that's what Jesus did. He put himself in our shoes to see what life was like for us and then to give us an example and show us we can do it. There's a better way to live. And he invites us into that. You know, in Revelation, uh, John records uh, Jesus saying this. In Revelation 3, he says this, Here I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I'll eat with that person and they with me. If anybody hears me standing at the door knocking, I'll come in and I'll have a meal. What's he saying? I want to have a relationship. I want to be able to, to have communication. I want to be, you to understand, to understand you. I want to know who you are. I want, to, I want to help you become the person that you were meant to be. He's knocking on the door waiting for us to open. Every single person that's watching, he's been knocking on the door of your life. I would say every day, wanting to have a meal, wanting to help us become more like him, wanting us to teach us how to be fishers of men, how to be people that show compassion and mercy. And today he's knocking on the door. If you're there and you're listening and you're ready to open that door and you hear him knocking, I'll lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of just saying, God, I need your help. God, I can't do it on my own. God, forgive me of my mistakes of my past. Today I invite you into my life. And then you allow him to lead you. Would you pray that? If you're, you're watching today and you want to pray that prayer, would you pray this with me? Say this. Say, Father God, today I commit my life to you. Forgive me of my past, of my mistakes, of my sin. Help me to live a life that reflects you. God, thank you for sending Jesus to give us an example of how to live. Thank you for letting him die on that cross in my place. Thank you that he's alive today and that I have that same ability, that same power that he had to rise and live again. Today, I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. I say yes to you. I make the decision to follow you. Help me to love others the way you love them. Help me to have healthy relationships with others, with myself, with things, with circumstances. Help me to live by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.